Hello and welcome to episode two of Life in the Cat Lane, the podcast where we cover all things cat, from health and behavior to history and lore, and we'll find out if Tortitude really exists. I am your neighborhood cat wrangler, Jamie, and today we'll be talking TNR. Sources and contact info can be found in the episode show notes. have seen a shelter cat or a stray cat sporting a clipped ear and wondered if that was the result of a fight or an unfortunate run-in with scissors. That clipped or tipped ear is given to cats that have gone through the TNR process. TNR stands for Trap, Neuter, Return. It is a community cat management strategy meant to stop the unchecked breeding of cats. The cats are trapped, brought in to be neutered or spayed, and while under the anesthesia, they'll receive other vet care like rabies or other vaccines, topical parasite medication, and then their ear will be tipped as an easy visual reference so trappers know not to trap that cat again unless for urgent health issues. And then the cat is returned and released to where it was trapped. Why is it necessary to neuter or spay stray or feral cats? Because as we've talked about in the last episode, cats are not endemic to most of the places that they can currently be found. While they're not only great predators, they are prolific breeders. A female cat can reach reproductive maturity as young as four months old and can have as many as three litters a year. Litters average three to eight kittens. A cat could have her first litter at the start of a year, and by the end, her female kittens from their first and second litter could also be reproducing. Starting with a single pair of breeding cats, you can go from two to over two million cats in just eight years. It's a problem. So why TNR? Why not trap and euthanize? Trap and euthanize was used with really low success. While it might treat the immediate problem in an area, it creates a vacuum effect. Taking all the cats from an area at once leaves an opening for a new colony just to move in. If you haven't treated the problem at its source, it just continues. By neutering and returning the cats back to where they're trapped, the colony has the ability to die out naturally. And some cat lovers may struggle with the idea of returning cats to a colony versus taking them to a shelter to be adopted. Would the ideal be that every cat had a home? Absolutely. But in the US alone, the ASPCA estimates that 3.4 million cats enter shelters every year. And every year, an estimated 1.4 million cats are euthanized, primarily for space. The Humane Society actually estimates that it's closer to 70% of a cat in shelters are euthanized. Taking a feral or poorly socialized cat to a shelter instead of returning them to their colony is a death sentence. Shelters are hard on the best animal, and putting a feral cat in that environment is far crueler than returning them to their home outdoors. 
So who's trapping these cats? Is there a feral cat task force that you can call? (laughs) If only. Some rescue groups do have individuals that can assist with trapping or will take on large scale projects, but it's usually individual cat lovers who are doing the heavy lifting when it comes to trapping. And you, yes you, can get involved. When I was researching low-cost fan neuter clinics to take my original set of kittens from the Garner Colony to, I found a clinic that not only did low-cost fan neuters, but offered class on TNR. Completing the class entitled you to a discount on community cat spays and neuters. A regular spare neuter for a cat would be $40, and vaccines extra. For a community cat and a TNR trapper, that cost dropped to $25 per cat and included their rabies vaccine and the ear tip. They also rented out cat-specific humane traps. And while cat traps aren't necessary for trapping every cat, I mean, I've used cat traps, drop traps, crates, boxes, and sometimes I've been able to just pick them up. They are typically required when bringing that cat in for treatment for both its and the vet's safety. They are narrow and they allow for the use of a trap divider or fork. The fork allows you to safely pin the cat to administer anesthesia or replace bedding and food. When containing a cat in a cat trap, best practice is to keep that trap covered. You can use a thin sheet or a towel. This allows the cat to feel safe while in a new environment. And if you're not able to borrow a trap from local rescues or shelters, you can find affordable ones at hardware stores or farm supply stores. They're not my favorite, but they do in a pinch. They typically only have one door, and they're not as sturdy as the ones made specifically for TNR, like a True Catch or Tomcat trap. The benefit of TNR-specific traps is they open on both ends. One end is used for trapping the cat, and the other makes for easy release. And they're typically coated and will hold up better for years of trapping. My success rate for the more economic traps is low. They tend to either not spring when a cat enters or they spring too early, allowing the cat to escape. The ones that I do have, I just use for transport primarily. And drop traps are essentially the Wiley E. Coyote style box trap. A large, usually 4x4 box made of wire or netting on a metal or PVC or wood frame propped up on a post. You either hide out out of sight and pull a string to collapse the post, or more high-tech trappers use a drone to trigger the trap. The benefit of a drop trap is you're able to target the exact cat you want. Setting a cat trap is great if there's only one cat in the area, or you just need to trap any and all cats in that area. When you have a trap-savvy cat or need to get one specific cat in a colony, the drop trap can make your work so much simpler. I've used it to target my two most trap-savvy female queens, Curly Tail and Grizabella, and a colony cat, Hemlock, who had a leg injury that wouldn't have allowed him into a normal cat trap. However they're trapped, the only thing as satisfying as trapping a cat for TNR is when you get to release them back to the colony, knowing they won't be reproducing anymore. And when it comes to that end part of TNR, Some people are concerned about interfering with the quote-unquote natural order of things. 
thinking that cats just love having babies. They don't. Cats can be fantastic parents. One formal feral foster of mine, Rosie, not only raised her four kittens to be healthy, wonderful cats, she took on an additional three kittens from Curly Tail, who would have rather done anything than be near her kittens. And both moms are spayed and living much, much happier baby-free. And remember, cats breeding unchecked is a problem. It impacts local ecosystems, it contributes to the overpopulation problem that leads to that millions of cats being euthanized in shelters for lack of space. And it leads to other pro- health problems. We'll get into all the benefits of spaying and neutering in a later episode, but unless there's a health issue that makes going under anesthesia too risky, there just isn't a good reason to not spay or neuter your community cat or your pet cat. I can't speak for all clinics, but the one that I primarily use for the cats I trap, the process for dropping them off for neutering is relatively easy. They have three days a week that community cats can be brought in without an appointment. You bring the cat in during their morning drop off, fill out some paperwork, pay and go. The cats have their surgery and stay overnight to allow for the anesthesia to wear off. You pick up the cat the next day, and depending on the cat, they can either be immediately released back to their colony, or sometimes they do need to be held for an extended time. Males with no other health issues and nursing females whose kittens were not trapped can be released right away. Other females typically need to be held an extra night before being released. Your clinic will give you more specific details, unless they were in heat during their spay. If they were in heat at the time of their spay, they typically need to be held at least two weeks before their release to ensure that they're no longer giving off pheromones to attract toms. If she were released too early and a tom attempted to mate with her, it would likely lead to infection or injury or both. I've only had that happen for two of my females. For my first round of trapping the Garner Colony, sisters Autumn and Birch were both in heat when they went in for a space, and I had to keep them that additional two weeks before their release. I transferred them to larger crates to give them some space, but they hated every second of being indoors. At the same time, I had a pair of brothers who, at four months old, I wasn't sure that I could tame and initially intended on releasing when they came back from their neuters. But both boys were so sick that they needed daily medication for almost a month. While they didn't exactly become tame in that time, I didn't end up keeping them indoors until spring. Lloyd eventually did allow himself to turn into a lap cat, but Alex really struggled with the process. In the years since, he happily lets himself in the cat door to use the cat fountain or sleep on my bed and he loves watching me work at the computer but being pet by human hands perish the thought as for that ear tip it's typically the left ear that's used but each area has their own standard the cut happens above the nerve endings so while it's done while the cat is under anesthesia for convenience sake it's not painful for the cat Some clinics also, when shaving the belly for surgery, administer a simple tattoo as a second line of defense in the event that a previously TNR cat is trapped again, but maybe their ear was damaged or the original tip wasn't done properly. The belly tattoo is just a stop sign for vets to know that that cat has already been neutered. Other practices also tattoo the inside of the ear as well. 
In any case, a tipped ear is a sign someone cared enough for that cat to ensure that it wouldn't reproduce. If you have a colony in your area that you're wanting to help, above food and shelter, the single most important thing you can do, in my opinion, is TNR. You'll prevent hundreds of unwanted kittens from being born, and spayed and neuter cats don't roam like their unfixed counterparts. It reduces the transmission of sexually transmitted diseases like FIV or FELV, it reduces territory fights and injuries for toms, and it reduces competition for food. If you're interested in learning more, I've linked to some online support for learning more about TNR. Reach out to shelters or rescues in your area and find out what efforts are already being made. You might not have the time in your schedule to set up and wait to trap cats, but maybe you have the ability to help trappers transport cats to or from the clinic. Or maybe you have space in your garage or spare room to hold cats waiting on release. Or maybe you have the patience to help socialize feral kittens. Depending on the laws in your area, your skills might be best utilized contacting and educating legislators on providing protections for community cats or their caretakers. Facebook's also a great place to network with TNR groups in your area and find out what you can do to help the community cats where you live. For today's Colony Cat Spotlight, I wanted to circle back to Autumn. When I first came to know Autumn, she had a litter of three kittens, Hank, Dean, and Cleo. She is one of Curly Tail's daughters and is a gorgeous long-haired tortie with a delightfully smushed face. I am beyond thrilled that I was able to spay her before she had any more litters, but her three former kittens are some of the sweetest I've known. My first day trapping the colony, she was my last cat of the day, and she was so upset about being trapped, she ended up injuring her nose. Despite, or more likely because of her extended stay indoors after her spay, she is highly suspicious of me. I haven't had cause to trap her again in three years, but she still is unsure of my intentions. She spends her days with her sister and best friend, Birch. And since the passing of their brother Hemlock, Birch's brother Beach is usually with his sisters as well. And when I say best friend, I mean best friend. They walk alongside each other, tails twisted together like cartoon cats. They're always together. They eat, sleep, and play together. After dinner every evening, they sprawl out on the ramp in front of the house. And if they're not sure if I've actually put food out yet, Beach is sent as their lookout. Once he confirms there's food, Autumn and Birch will stroll in, tail and tail, to share their meal. Autumn has the fine fur her mother does and is prone to mats. And grooming a feral cat is not enjoyable for anyone. Last summer, I started putting out self-groomers for the cats, which cut down on the mats for both Autumn and Curly Tail, the only long-haired cats in the colony. As far as their names, when I took that TNR class back in 2019, they said some trappers with large-scale projects found it easier just to pick a theme for the cats in an area. So I picked a tree theme for that group. Autumn, birch, beech, hemlock, pine, arbor, maple, and ash. Maple and ash were renamed Alex and Lloyd. They have come to recognize their names, and Autumn was the first to clock that if Alex came to the window asking for treats, she could get some too. 
I held out hope that one day I'll be able to brush her gorgeous coat, but seeing her live her life alongside her best friend is more than enough. You can see Autumn and her BFF on our Instagram, Life in the Cat Lane Pod. You can contact us there or email us at lifeinthecatlanepod at gmail.com. And since we talked about my three favorite letters today, next time we're going to talk about my least favorite, FIP. And then I promise we're going to get to some more lighthearted things. Thank you.